think it's going to be an interesting meeting this week when we discuss how in the world can we do baptisms and child dedication every week. Um, It probably won't happen, but I'm really glad you're all here. And I'm really grateful that you're here to support your loved ones. Uh, These kind of moments in their lives are important. And so the fact that there's so many people here supporting that, love that, grateful. In the meantime, uh, we're headed down a new road this morning. We're going to start a new series. And normally when we would do that, uh, we would take a section of Scripture. We would look at the context of that section of Scripture. We might grab in some historical context. We would create a pile. We would create a pile of stuff that we would then focus in on and try to find something in that that we could do with our lives um, that God's calling us to. Uh, this series, we're kind of going in a different direction. There's not, there's not really going to be a pile. It's two verses. It's two simple, clear verses that um, if you've been in church at all for a little while, you will have heard them. If not, um, and you're new to church, you're going to hear these often. So you should get used to them because they're, they're important. It's the problem is they're difficult. They're difficult because after Paul, who's inspired by God to write these, gets done saying these things, he doesn't tell us how to do it. Doesn't tell us what to do next. We're left trying to figure that out on our own. And, and part of that's um, why it's difficult as well is because sometimes we're not very good at understanding what to do on our own. Somebody was talking to me after the first service and they said, man, for me to be introspective is really difficult. I don't know if I can do this. And I, I get it. This is why this section of scripture is so hard is because that's partly what's going to happen. You're going to have to actually do some processing and thinking, but it wouldn't have been written here if that wasn't something that you would need to do. Now, that conversation I had with somebody after first service, I, I think that's a pretty common way to look at things. Like, I, I don't know how many people actually like to do the work of looking internally. I, I'm not a counselor, but I get to sit with a lot of people. I get to sit and hear their stories. And uh, many times, I'm with them at some of the best moments of their life. The greatest things are kind of happening, and I get to celebrate that with them, and it's really engaging and fun. And there are other times when I'm, I'm with them at the worst moment ever. And for many of those people, they didn't choose any of the circumstances that led to that worst moment ever. And on the other hand, I, I've been at the side of some people whose worst moment ever, they chose step by step to get there. Like they walked right into it and their lives blew up and nobody was surprised. And yet, what I find interesting is it doesn't seem to matter if you're at the highest of heights or if you're the lowest moments you didn't choose or maybe you did. It seems that we have a hard time processing this stuff internally. We have a hard time understanding what's really going on at the depths of our soul. And so we sometimes make things worse by the way we respond. We don't even know it. We just respond in a certain way that almost feels like this is the what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to think or whatever that is, and it makes things worse. And I realized this was happening when I actually discovered that I was doing it in my own life. And what was happening was this simple idea that Paul's going to present to us. Because it's so difficult to do, we sometimes miss the power that's there. 
So I want to start there, and then, and then over the next five weeks, we'll use it as the foundation uh, for what we're going to explore here. So I want to take you to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. These are verses that you probably will have heard before if you've been around church. It says, therefore, when he starts with therefore, he is drawing a conclusion from something else that he has said beforehand. And he's been talking about how God has gone to great lengths to rescue us from our own sin. Like he's, he's done all these incredible things. And he says, so therefore, based on all of this stuff that God's done, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, in the view of all of that stuff that he did to show us his love, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I've not talked to too many people who think that this verse doesn't make sense. If God pays a high price for me, puts his love on display for me, it would make sense that I would respond back to him with love. And this is what it's about. I want you to love me so badly that you would be willing to live a sacrificial way. But then it gets difficult because he's about to tell us what that sacrificial living actually looks like in verse 2. And he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't want you to conform. I want you to be transformed. And the place that I want you to do that is the stuff that you believe, the stuff that you think about. I want this thing that's on top of your head to be something that I get to shape and direct. So he has this, he has this desire to transform the way we process. Then, the verse goes on, and he draws a conclusion, which is pretty huge. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me be real clear about what's being said here. If you're willing to go through the process of letting God transform the way you think, the way you believe, the stuff that you take into your life, it can result in you knowing God's will for your life, God's desires for you. Get revealed in that. You will know God based on this process of transforming. By the way, the opposite is true. If you choose to not do the work of transforming the way you think, you can actually miss out on what God has for your life. You, you could live a lifetime on the wrong path, believing the wrong things. Did you know, did you know your mind was that powerful? Did you know that what you believed mattered? That the truths that you accept as false or not, the world, are important because they can either direct your heart and mind towards God or they can blind you. You can actually miss out on what God's doing in the world. You could miss out on what God's doing in your own life. You could miss out on wisdom that God would offer to you because your mind is not inclined to hear from God. In fact, it's inclined elsewhere. And the scriptures give us an idea of where that is. 
says it very clearly. He says, it's, um, we're shaped by the patterns of this world. Well, what are those? Well, the patterns of this world are anything um, that takes us away from what God had in mind for our lives, what God's standards are, anything like that, that, that puts us off kilter, that causes us to think, believe, accept things that aren't true, they mess us up. And here's the problem. As I look at it, the stuff that's going on with our thinking in this culture, we're bombarded constantly by um, stuff in our culture. We could spend a whole lot of time on that. But I want to spend time in a different place where I see this happening um, again just, just because we don't know ourselves very well, I see this happening on an individual basis. And I'm, I've become convinced that one of the things where we stop being directed by God is because of the stories that we tell ourselves. The, there, there are all kinds of stories, but we become the person who, who um, communicates to ourselves through story. We, this is how we think and how we process. When you're, when you're going through life and somebody comes up to you and says, how was your day? Have you ever said to them, oh, it's going to be a long story. Why is it a long story? It should just be bullet points, right? Boom, 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 boom happened. It's not bullet points because there's a whole lot to it. There's a whole lot of things going on. There's a lot of emotion that come into play. And so it becomes a story that you tell. And part of the problem is that when we become the authors of the story, we can find a way to tell a story that causes us to miss what God's doing in our lives. We can end up with futile kind of thinking. Um, it gets said this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul's talking to a different church. And he says this, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. I'm insisting on this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. What makes their thinking futile? Well, this is about to get complicated. They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This is a mess. They're living in the dark. They're separated from God, which we just learned. This could happen from you if you don't transform your mind. You're not, you're not going to pick up on what God's will is for your life. And so these guys have actually gone even a step further because they're living in ignorance because their hearts are hardened. What's happened for them is the story that they've been telling has created a reality for them that they believe is more compelling, more real, more true than God's story. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. The kind of story, we're, we're going to look at different stories that we tell ourselves over the course of this series. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the big stories that you tell yourself. I call them the life-defining stories. They, they're the ones that cause you to look at reality a certain way, and you're utterly convinced that the world works that way. In fact, you're so convinced of it, you've never stopped to ask God if that's possibly the way it works. Never even crossed your mind 
that you would have to have a conversation with God that way. But he's looking to transform us. He's looking to change our thinking. And in order to do that, he's got to get your attention. Now, I don't know what it'll take for you. I can tell you I went through this process when God grabbed my attention some years back. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and I was, I was telling him the story of my life. I was in a conflict with somebody, and I was giving him the details, and I was going through each part of it. And I realized in the telling of that story that it sounded very similar to a story that I had told him a couple years earlier, but the situations I was describing were completely unrelated. There, there was nothing about them that were the same, but I was describing them in terms that almost made them sound identical. And I, and I was, my interest was piqued. And so I, I found some time to sit quietly with God and I, and I just asked the question, how is it that I've got these two unrelated things in my life that I see as being almost identical? And um, the Holy Spirit was faithful to me. And during that time of quietness, um, this, this is what was said. <laughs> There's only one common denominator, you. You're the only thing that's the same in all of these things. And what's happening, Blair, is you're telling a story. You're the one who's looking at reality and you're interpreting it through your story. And you keep finding the same thing everywhere you look because of the story that you've been telling yourself. And, I, and at first I was, I was a little surprised by this. Because I believed that the story I had had come from God. I, uh, there is a, there's an element in my life where I, I really care about standing up for what's right. Like if, if you point me in the direction of something that I think is unjust, I'm probably going to go to all ends to do something about it because I really have a lot of passion for that. And so I had found that I had a passion for doing what was right. And what I had discovered in life was that there were people who were in authority positions who didn't seem to have the same passion to do what was right. And I thought it was my God-given ordination to go stand up to those people and even like poke them in the eye and mess with them. Like, you're not doing what's right. You're not doing what's just. You don't care about that. So I'm going to irritate you. And I never thought for once, not once, that God wasn't with me. Why wouldn't he be? Would he not stand up for justice? Would he not things, want things done that are right and good? Surely, He's with me. But in that quiet moment, God said, no, Blair, I never gave you that story. You did that yourself. I'm not on board with what you're doing. Which, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it shook me up pretty badly. I, I was a pastor at the time this was being revealed to me. I was out there trying to honor God and serve him, and I thought that I had found my mission was to stand up for unjust causes and do the right thing. And, and in the process of that, I, it, it had excused all of my actions. 
I was an angry guy standing up for, against wrong. And I was justified in doing so because they were wrong and I was right. And so I did all of these things. I said unkind words, had fits of rage. And it was all justified in my mind because I was on a mission for God. Here's my story. And when God said, no, that's not your story, I was stunned. I said, no, you, that's got to be wrong. Somewhere along the line, you instilled this in me. This is coming out of me because of what you wanted. This, it has to be that way. So he invited me to go on a search, which honestly took months, and it was uncomfortable. Because um, what happened is I started going back. I started going back through my story, and I would find these moments where I stood up for what was right, and I would examine them, and I started to feel sick to my stomach because these moments that I thought I was standing up for God, I was being a complete idiot, and I was kind of the villain of the story. And I, I was surprised, and I kept going back and going back. I was trying to uncover where this came from because I was just convinced my view of reality had to be from God. And then I found it. Um, by the way, these stories that we tell, they tend to cast us as the hero of the story. We, we tend to be the underdog who's standing up for what's right or good or standing up for ourselves or doing something like that. We're the hero. On occasion, I have talked to some people who are the villain of their story. And the only thing that's similar is that really we're the center of the story and we're the central ones telling the story. That's the only thing that's similar in those cases. But every hero has an origin story and every story has a beginning and I found mine. Uh, I was in college. I had been raised in, uh, at a Christian youth camp where the rules were everything. You followed the rules as evidence to show that you cared about God. And I was good at that. And I went away to college and I found a whole bunch of people who weren't following any of those rules. And they seemed to love Jesus. It was very disorienting. This can't be right. How can, you not, how can you not follow all of these things that I've grown up with believing? And it took a few years. It took a few years for me to kind of reason through that and come to grips with the fact that God wanted my heart in all of this process. He didn't want my attentiveness to all of these rules. And one, one summer, I returned home. I would return home and be a camp counselor every year. But that year, I decided I was going to go back and I was not going to follow the rules that they said you had to follow in order to love God. And I was going to show them that wasn't necessary. So I showed up with a kicking mullet. It was nice. Now, I know it was, it was in the 80s. That was the style at the time. I, I'm, I'm told the guys were mocking me off stage. They're like, have you not been to the middle school? Everybody's wearing mullets. Yeah, I don't, I don't have one right now. I had one then, right? And... And it was interpreted this way. They believed that I had somehow signed up for Satan's fan club. Um, I don't remember signing any documentation, but I showed up, and that was a conclusion. Like, you're in, you got a real problem here. So, yeah, I went further with it. 
I asked my mom to give me a perm, right? And she did. And she did. She gave me a perm. Now I've got a perm mullet. And now, like, I'm like the president of Satan's fan club. Like, what are you doing? You're out of control. And there was a ton of pressure. There was a ton of pressure on my mom who would dare do that sort of thing. There was a ton of pressure on me. And you know what? I wasn't going to cut my hair. Like, I knew it didn't matter. What mattered was my heart towards God. And so I decided I'm just going to live with that. I'm going to live with the pressure. I'm going to live with all of that stuff. This is going to be a fun summer is the way I was looking at it. I'm having a good time. And then um, late one evening when everybody was asleep at the camp, uh, one of my mentors who was the program director of the camp uh, came and got me out of the bunkhouse and we kind of sat on a porch in the dark and we just talked. And um, he didn't talk to me about my heart. He didn't talk to me about any of that kind of stuff. What he said was that the directors of the camp had come to him and said, you get that kid in line or I'm going to relieve you of your job. And now this friend of mine who I deeply cared about, his job was on the line. His family's income was on the line. I cut my hair. And if you think that killed my spirit, you would be wrong. It inflamed it. <laughs> like, okay, I'll cut my hair, but now I know what the rules are. And I'm going to walk up to every rule that you've ever created in this world, and I'm going to get close to it, and I'm going to dance on it. And you're going to hate it the whole time. But you can't yell at me because I didn't cross the line. You want to play games? Let's play games. Right? And I got into it. I, it was good. I'm, I was having a great time. And I remember. I remember this moment. I was dating my um, wife at the time, Tracy. We were standing by the chapel big field in between us, and the directors of the camp were over there um, giving me a stare down. And they had decided they're, they're going to try to find some way to break me. And they, they're giving me the eyeballs. And I decided, um, knowing that I, I wasn't going to say anything, like I wasn't going to cross the line, but I was going to communicate to them exactly how I thought about all of this. And I kind of stepped towards them put out my chest and my head, and I just stared them down. And they did not like that. And I felt deeply gratified inside. And it was at that moment that I started writing the story that the purpose of my life would be to stand up to people like that, to poke them in the eye, and to make them miserable. And every interaction that I came into, I started looking for somebody who was in a position of authority that didn't get it right. And you know what? That's pretty easy to do because we're all flawed. Like if you're looking for me and you're like, okay, show me if you're perfect or not. Well, that's not going to happen. That'll take less than a, a few hours for you to figure that out. This, I mean, it's easy. It was easy for me to find the flaws and to justify the angst 
and the anger and all of that that I carried. But the problem was in the middle of that story as I'm standing in that field, God wasn't in it. It was me. I was the master storyteller. And I had created a reality where I was going to be the hero of the story by standing up against what I thought was injustice. And in fact, the way I went about it harmed the name of God. Never once. Decades went by with me living that way. God was faithful to reveal that I'd been telling a story on my own. But it was a pattern of this world. It was a pattern that I had come up with. It was a pattern of I'm going to seek some level of revenge for the wrong that you did to me. And I'm going to make other people pay for it too. It was a pattern of this world. And it owned my life. Because every time I looked at a situation, I saw that story first. I told you I have opportunities to sit down and talk with people. I made a list. I made a list of the kind of things I've heard over the years. I, I can't possibly make all the like the stories that are being told in this room right now, I can't do that. But I can give you some big ones that I've heard. I've heard I'm a good guy or a good girl that gets taken advantage of by others. I've heard I deserve more respect. I've heard I'm faithful to my family, to my work, to my church, but they aren't faithful to me. I've heard people always betray me. I don't deserve what I keep receiving in life. I've heard people say I know better, but people just don't respect me enough to listen. I've heard this one a lot. My value comes from what I produce or how I work. That's, that's how you know I have worth and value. By the way, I've heard the opposite too. These are, these are hard. These are hard to break through. If you're telling yourself these stories, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I can't control this temptation in my life, this thing that's going on. I can't control this. I'm just a victim. I'm not special. I've heard that from people. These stories can define your life and there's no God in them. You know what I came to discover? When I finally confessed that I had been writing the story of my life that had held my focus for many, many years, what I discovered was that God had a different story for me instead. He, he gave me a picture that he wanted me to accomplish as a real mission in life, not the mission that I had made up, the mission that he had for me. And he gave me a picture of a bridge, 
uh, a bridge um, finds a way to connect two separated sides. It can also go over like difficulty. It kind of spans difficult waters at times. And, I, and I've found that when God gave me that picture, there have been seasons in my life and in my ministry where part of what I did was I was able to communicate with two generations who didn't communicate well with each other, but I understood them both, and I acted as a bridge, and it, it was really helpful as, a, as a, an idea of how I was going to act in ministry. I've had other opportunities where I feel like the, the, the bridge part of me is to connect people who are disconnected from God with a God who loves them. And I get to be that one who, cry, who tries to help them understand the love and passion that God has for them. There have been other times in my life, in my ministry, where there have been rocky, rocky roads, turbulent stuff going on. And because of the way God has shaped me, I'm able to deal with that kind of stuff, and he wants me in the mix when it gets hard. Why? Because I'm a bridge. It's what I do. I had a mission. When I was the master storyteller of my story, I missed out on all of that. And I got to ask you this morning, what story are you telling yourselves? Are you the master storyteller who's crafted a picture of your mission in life? Who's crafted a picture of what it means for your reality to work? Or have you found a way to stop and say, I don't know if I'm the one telling the story or if God's telling the story. So I'm going to invite him into this process. Is the, is the reality that I believe that exists, is it the one that's right or am I writing the story? Because I want to tell you right now, God wants to be the master storyteller in your story. What he has for you is purpose, meaning, and value. But you will never find it. You will lose out on God's will for your life if you keep telling yourself a story that's off kilter. That was made up from a pattern of this world that has nothing to do with what God wants for your life. And there's only a few ways to find it. There's only a few ways to find it because it seems like such, it's reality for you. Why would you even need to explore it? You need to explore it because you're deeply concerned about this loving God who rescued you. And if you're willing to give up your story, that would be a little like a sacrifice, wouldn't it? I'm going to sacrifice the way I see reality for the way you see reality. I'm going to accept your view of the world, not my view of the world. I'm going to accept your wisdom on this, not my wisdom on this. And when you do that, it might feel like a sacrifice, but isn't that worth it because of the love that he gave for you? I am convinced that God wants to write a story in your life that has purpose and meaning that you could miss out on unless you're willing to do the hard work of transforming the way you think. Transforming the way you tell stories to yourself. I believe he has something better for you. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful for your faithfulness that even after years 
of thinking a certain way, of living a certain way, that you're constantly trying to bring us back around to your picture of reality. You have a place of hope, of meaning and purpose. And yet many of the stories that we end up telling ourselves, they just make things worse. It's the lens that we use to see all of life through. And God, you want to be the one who sets that lens. You want to be the one who sets our story. So I ask that you would give us the courage to come to you, to open up our hearts, to be explored, so that we could find out if we're the master storyteller or if you are. I ask that you would be faithful to reveal things to us, to open up our hearts and minds so that we can know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We love you. Help us in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to ask you to sit and reflect as they play a song about what God has in mind for you. Check this out. The story I told myself for so long, for over half my life, I know I'm not very old, but it was one, I don't know where you guys are at in this room, but the story I told myself for so long was one of shame, Austin, these choices you, you've been making, the words you've been using to belittle people. For so long, my, my story was wrapped up in guilt, in shame, in regret. And that was my reality. That was how I saw it. Everyone was out to get me. I had this pride because the source of my pride was my shame. And I walked around like no one was on my team, like I didn't have anyone else for me, I tried to find who I was in girls and sports and anything that I thought I was good at. Work, you name it. The story in my head, the story I was telling myself was, was rooted in that. And then and then I had people in my life, mentors in my life, a church. I started to hear this good news, the gospel. And it was this story about a person who came, lived perfectly, and died. So that my story didn't have to be one of shame, of guilt. So I could know what it was like to be forgiven. So I could know what it was like to have hope, to have peace, to really feel loved. I don't know what your story is, the story you find yourself telling yourself, but is it, is it the story of the gospel? Is it that good news? So that when you, when your story and the gospel, the story of the gospel collides, that good news, those stories collide, your story becomes a part of his story. And now the guilt and the shame that I used to walk around with, I don't carry anymore. I walk a life where I tell people about the forgiveness I've experienced, about the love that I have in my life, 
the joy that I can have amidst the chaos of this world. You guys know it all too well. The story you tell yourself, the gospel, this message is really challenging for me this morning because it's easy. It's easy to revert back to that story that you used to tell yourself. But I'm, I'm challenging, you guys, challenging you guys this week. Preach to yourself the gospel. Be good news. Let that good news of Jesus Christ change you. It's exactly what Paul was talking about, the transformation of your mind. Is the story you tell yourself the gospel? That's the challenge. It's my challenge. So, again, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I, I pray you leave here encouraged. I pray you leave here thinking critically about how you go about your week, how you live your life at work, how you live your life at school, how you talk about yourself, and invite Jesus to change that. Can I pray for you guys? Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity, because <laughs> I don't deserve to be up here, God, and you know that, but you have done something in my life that I can never repay never earn, and it's because of you that I have an opportunity to share my story. I have an opportunity to share your story in hopes that my story would glorify yours. So God, take my story, take who I am. May I point to you, Jesus. That's my prayer, I, I, I hope that's the prayer of the people in this room. The world needs you so desperately, Jesus. They need good news. So Lord, I, I just, I pray for these, these people. I pray their hearts um, were just softened by your word and the worship this morning. We praise you, God. Jesus is in your name, amen. All right, I have, I have one special announcement. Uh, this one, I've, I've, I have a, a wallet for Estrada Gutierrez. Uh, so I don't know if you're here but I've, we found a wallet, okay? All right, and lastly, um, baptism. Baby dedication and baptism is happening at noon. So if you're here for that, it'll be out back at the pavilion. You're welcome to stay here and talk, but we're gonna get, be getting things started at noon. So you could just go ahead and head over that way if you wanted to. Um, for baby dedications, there are tables set up for you um, and your family. So um, yeah, you guys are welcome to stand and we can... Get on out of here. Hope to see you all next week.